Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast here in Bengaluru, where India have leveled the series one all with a 75-run win. Set 188 for victory, Australia were bowled out for 112 in 36 overs, with Ravi Ashwin claiming 6 for 41. While the fireworks were on the field, all hell broke loose after play when Virat Kohli, in not so many words, accused Australia of cheating. To talk about that and all the day for actionischricket.com.au, senior writer Andrew Ramsey and Rambo, you have witnessed body line, two tie tests and countless Ashes cliffhangers. But have you ever seen a day of test cricket or perhaps a press conference quite like that? No, no, nothing quite like that. Ever since I was a young bloke and the Hindenburg went up, uh, that's about as close as I can remember. It was uh, fairly incendiary. It was a fairly spiteful day on the field. Um, There was a lot of umpire involvement. There was a lot of gesturing and pointing and players getting in each other's faces um then steve smith came at the end of the day and said it was all very friendly banter and everything's fine mm. and suddenly mm. someone departed from the script yes all right well we've got to start with this steve smith moment rambo it all went down when smith was given out for 28 lbw undone by a ball from umesh yadav that decided not to bounce but when smith and non-striker peter hanscom came together to decide whether they were going to review it or not hanscom motioned to smith to look at the dressing room the away dressing room which he did seeing this coley blew up an umpire, Nigel Long, he was on the ball. He immediately told Smith he could not review, and Smith was on his way. After play, the Australian skipper called it a brain fade, while Coley was a little more animated, Rambo. Uh, yes, Virat um, seemed to suggest that he'd noticed this as a bit of a trend among the Australians. Uh, he, he claims that twice when he was out there batting in this test, which is a fair frequency given he wasn't out there all that long, mm. uh, that they've used this ploy whereby they uh, decide whether they should review decisions based on what they're in getting from the dressing room where people have got access to televisions and laptops and all mm-hmm. sorts of other Just devices. TV, TV replays. TV replays. Um, uh, it's, a, it's been an unchallenged assertion at this stage. We've had no responses to, uh, from the, officially from the Australians as to what they, how they view this from mm-hmm. Virat. But uh, he certainly didn't um, back away from it when asked a couple more times later in the press, his press conference if that's what he meant. Um, he was said there's a word for that kind of thing. He wouldn't do it on the field. He, he thinks it's, uh, it's wrong. Um, he wouldn't use the word that uh, he thought best described it when someone said to him, is that word cheating? He said, oh, that's your word, not mine, or words to that effect. Mm. So uh, he certainly didn't try and quash that speculation, um, and it's probably left a bit of a sour taste in the mouths of a few people. All right, I'm going to read you a direct quote from Virat Kohli now when he was told that Steve Smith called that looking at the dressing room was a brain fade. This is what Virat said. He goes, honestly, if somebody makes a mistake while batting, that's, for me personally, a brain fade. The way I left the ball in Pune, getting hit on the off stump, that was a brain fade. But if something is going on for three days, that's not a brain fade. It's as simple as that. I don't want to say more on that. The videos are out there for everyone to see and it was getting repetitive and that's why the umpires knew that it might happen again. I saw it two times when I was batting. I can vouch for that. 
So Virat didn't back down. He also spoke about the uh, the head getting cut off the snake. I think Nathan Lyon he uh, regurgitated that from Dale Stain, who said it earlier in the uh, in the summer. But he's obviously taken this very personally, Virat. Uh, not just the actions by Smith and the Australians, but the fact that they've targeted him. But why wouldn't you target him? He's the best batsman in the world. Yeah, he was a very animated figure throughout this whole match, Virat. He, in the field, he was. Uh, you know, gesturing to the crowd to get involved. He was charging to his bowlers whenever they took a wicket. He was jumping around um, like a fire walker at times. He was uh, angry when he got given out to a decision that he reviewed that he thought shouldn't have been out. Um, There's quite a bit going on for Virat in this game, and it seems that it may stem from that uh, fairly benign assertion by Nathan Lyon, which, as you mentioned, a lot of other people have used before, that if you cut the head off the snake, the, the rest of it will wither away. Um, it's been a bit of a headless snake in this series. He, mm. Birat hasn't really posted a score. He hasn't made 20 in his four innings to date, but he was very adamant. He said it in the uh, on-field presentation ceremony and again in his press conference afterwards that uh, he took exception to that, the suggestion that this team was reliant on him um, and they'd proved that they were, in fact, a fully functioning snake when bereft of a head. I'd, uh, say, I'd go as far as saying as a hydra, a many-headed snake, many-headed, you know, lots of heads. You cut off one, there's others that can still bite you. I think he said something like that as well, didn't he? Well, he's a hydra bat, or do we not go there yet? <laughs> not quite there yet. But still, we're at a point to prove, I guess, coming up in the next couple of games. Um, yeah, and he certainly he, he was a very imposing presence on the field today. Like He was in the middle of everything, including every chat with the umpires. Um, there was a lot going on around Virat. He's that kind of person too. He likes to you know, be the centre of it all. He likes to you know, bring the team along with him. Um, and then when he got into the post-match presser, he uh, he was on the front foot finally more than he had been during his batting stints in this series mm. um, and claimed it's the best win they've had under his captaincy. So that's how much um, store he put in this result, um, not just the conditions that they played in and the uh, fact that they were probably marginally outplayed in the first two days, but to bounce back from Pune and also in the wake of some of the what he thought was unfair critiques of him and his team mm. um, he was a very very driven figure before we get on to the, the actual play today how do you see this affecting the rest of the series now Rambo oh it's, it's like everything in India it's got, it puts a bit more spice in it doesn't it it's, yeah. uh, the re- Indian cuisine is very regional so I don't know what the uh, the food is like in Jakarta, which is the state we head to next but mm. the, certainly the cricket will have a little bit more piquancy to it uh, he's sprinkled some chilli flakes well and truly into the mix now um, whether the Australians buy into that, uh, whether he's used it to uh, rally his own troops, whether they genuinely think that there is some kind of conspiracy going on, um, who knows, but it'll probably play out over the next couple of days. Um, it's an interesting little nugget because mostly uh, captains and players tend to play down all these stouches on the field. They get asked about yeah. what happens and they say, oh, no, it's just a bit of friendly banter. We were just asking each other where we were going for dinner. Um, I don't think the Australians will be going for dinner with Virat anytime soon. No, not at all. All right, let's get on to the on-field action. India started the day at 4 for 213 with a lead of 126 and pushed their score to 238 before Australia claimed their first wicket of the morning, harnessing the destructive powers of the second new ball. Mitchell Stark first trapped the Jinka Rahane LBW for 52 and the next ball he literally snapped the leg stump of Karen Nair right in half. Uh, Josh Hazewood got amongst the hosts the next over with the big wicket of Cheteshwar Pajara for 92. And Ravi Ashwin three balls later was bowled by a ball that practically went underground. Hazewood claimed his sixth wicket and career best figures when Umas chipped one to David Warner at mid-off. 
The last wicket added 16 before Ishant fell to O'Keefe. All out for 274. So Rambo, a few things to talk about there. First, the uh, pivotal 118-run stand between Pujar and Rahane. India's collapse of 5 for 20 and Hazelwood's best haul of 6 for 67. Yes, that all seems such a long time ago. Was it still in the same series? Did that happen in this? That happened, according to my... today. Yes, today. Earlier on today. Yep. Heavens, doesn't things rattle along here, apart from the train network. Um, that was... Uh, when they took the second new ball, uh, that was going to be pivotal, clearly, because Rahane and Pujara's partnership, I think Virat said at the end of the game, was the, it's been the only 100 partnership of the series to date. I, I'm not questioning him. I'm not questioning no. him because <laughs> I, I know what sort of a mood he's in. So, uh, uh, And that I think both captains agreed that was the difference between the the teams at the end of the day. The result ended up being 75 runs. But uh, those two... Hung in there and didn't look in any trouble when play resumed this morning against the two Australian spinners. They were potting along quite nicely. There was a couple of moments where Pujara, um, I think he was given out at one point, LBW, but reviewed and it was overturned. Mm. So they had a win with the DRS. I don't mm. think they weren't looking anywhere other than immediately at one another in the Correct. pitch. Um, mm-hmm. But up until that point, they were pushing the score or the lead up towards 200, it seemed, uh, and the Australians were probably starting to wonder where the next wicket was going to come from. They soon found out. It took a couple of overs, but Mitchell Stark got that that uh, SG ball, that brand new SG ball, hooping back in. He hasn't bowled with much swing, um, and he hasn't bowled probably to his best in this match. But he was at his absolute best during that uh, that four or five over burst, and he and Hazelwood really uh, tore up India. Didn't we forecast that he might have been the key bowler for Australia in India's second innings? And with six wickets, I think we'll prove him right once again. Yes, yes, this is this is quite the uh, the prescient podcast. Mm. Uh, it, he was uh, exceptional. He get, it was just kind of a pitch, though, wasn't it? He had to land this ball on the spot, and there was just enough variable bounce, enough uh, movement off the cracks um, to reward that kind of bowling. Whereas Mitchell Stark, that was just kind of brute force. Airspeed, he likes to talk about. And I think the one that uh, snapped Karun Nair's leg stump as opposed to his leg was um, mm. 154 kilometres an hour, according to the uh, speed gun. So um, to get one of those first ball your face... Um, it doesn't give you much hope. I think he did well to get the inside edge on it, as it turned out. Rumor Saha, he survived the hat-trick ball. India, their bottom five have done virtually nothing uh, this series so far. So 188 to win, Rambo. Would Australia have been happy with that? Oh, I was probably as, as good or better than they could have hoped for resuming this morning. I think um, given they were already uh, quite a bit in arrears when the, the day began, to have knocked over the bottom half of India's innings so quickly for so few runs... Um, Gave them a real shot at it. But I think, uh, as Stephen Smith mentioned at the end of the game, they probably knew that 188 was always going to be a stretch. Mm. Uh, Batting was getting more and more difficult out there. Um, And research of first class, because they've changed the whole Bangalore pitch. So all the previous stats that we've been quoting about tests in Bangalore were hugely irrelevant because everything's changed out in the middle. Um, What they had Not this podcast. Not on this podcast. Other. other, yeah, a sort of it's a research team of yours that you sacked. Yeah, well, no, they're, they're on the trains um, at the moment. The, the research showed that um, batting fourth in first-class games here, 120 was a good score. So mm-hmm. uh, the Indians knew that. They knew that if they'd pushed on much past 150, they were a good chance. Uh, Virat suggested at games end they'd looked at 220 as being the position where they knew they couldn't lose. So mm-hmm. 188 um, was always going to be a, a bit of a challenge. Um, but... The way that bowlers 
with the new ball performed uh, this morning, they couldn't really have done much more. The run chase got a, got away to a flying start. David Warner and Matthew Renshaw rattling along at five runs and over at one point. But then uh, Renshaw went out first. Then David Warner, he was out LBW. Steve Smith, go for it. Might have struck outside the line off stump. Ravi Ashwin was bowling around the wicket. Fortunately, it didn't fall the way of the Australians. Umpire's call, so Warner was out. Uh, then Sean Marsh... He felt Rambo, and this was a bit of another controversial DRS decision. Umash Yadav was bowling around the wicket to Sean Marsh. Uh, he got one to jag back in, but not a whole lot. Marsh offered no shot, was struck and fired by Nigel Long. Smith, the non-striker, came up to Marsh and said, you should go. So Marsh thought that meant go, leave the field. So he left, but Steve actually meant no, go for the review, as it turns out. Replay showed that the ball was comfortably missing off stump. So a bit of a miscommunication there. Cost Sean his wicket. They made his look at that in a team meeting. I think they needed to come up with a, a form of words, maybe hand signals, coloured flags, a mm-hmm. semaphore sign, something that indicates what they're actually thinking in that situation rather than opting for an, an ambiguous term that, I mean, go could have meant... A number of things. A number of things, and clearly it meant something, but uh, what it meant and what it was supposed to mean were far apart. Uh, the surprising thing about that really was that Sean Marsh had sort of taken a step or half a step across his stumps before he was hit, and as we know under the laws of the game, Sam, that you and I read uh, it's for evening pleasure. Religiously. The uh, To be hit outside the line of the stumps not playing a shot doesn't save you, but if you're that far outside the line of the stumps, there's a good chance the ball's not going to hit them. So yep. um, it was probably a little bit of a, a brain fade for one of a uh, topical term on both parts, really. Um, Sean Marsh seemed to have lost track of where his stumps might have been. Um, Steve Smith, when it, after the decision was made, he kind of peered around as if to be looking at it from Nigel Long's viewpoint. I'm not sure how that was going to help him decide mm. whether it should be reviewed or not. Um, Maybe he was looking somewhere else. Maybe he was looking up at the, the sky. Um, but it was a, a pretty pivotal moment of the game. The other pivotal moment that we haven't mentioned, of course, was Matthew Renshaw's dismissal, which came three balls after the spider cam incident. Oh, the spider cam incident. How did I forget that? When it descended from the heavens and lodged not far above the uh, the playing field. Um, it was stuck there for several minutes, and Matthew Renshaw was wandering over and looking like he might attack it with his bat. Virat Kohli, of course, uh, being the... Uh, the central performer in most of these things was shooing it away as if he was had some kind of uh, mystical camp. powers. Mm. Um, so whether that broke his concentration, who knows? But uh, he was dismissal did follow soon after. I thought I'd throw that in. Thanks for throwing it in there. Uh, I think it must be said that the, the Shaw Marsh is probably going to cop a fair bit for not reviewing that, and it's probably Steve Smith now as well. But Long made a terrible decision. That ball was missing off stump by at least six inches. I know it all comes back. And the umpire's been very good this series under a lot of pressure. But if Long got that right, there'd be no need for a review. No, which makes you think that the uh, the, the whole... I know that this was a talking point after the game, but with these umpires call decisions where you should lose a review mm. if that's deemed, because um, some of them are seen to be just clipping the stumps, in which case you could argue that it's not a great decision, but you can't overturn it once it's been made on the field. If mm. uh, So... Um, yeah, there's a, a few questions to be raised in that. Um, Australians have been pretty good with DRS up until that point. It's been a bit of a triumph for them. Um, but there's a couple of items that cropped up on their uh, agenda today that may have to be looked at in a team meeting or discussed somewhere between now and Ranchi. Smith then left, and it was only Peter Hanscom who put up any kind of fight. He finished with 24. He was the second last man out. Australia lost 6 for 11. Rambo, all out for 112, as we said. Ashwin, 6 for 41. He's a bit of a master on these 
spinning wickets and in the fourth innings he averages something like 15 and strikes every 36 balls 188 looked okay as Coley said that they were happy with uh, with 180 220 would have been enough but when you've got Ravi Ashwin in your team it's practically impossible isn't it uh, yes and he looked like he's going to get a wicket pretty much every ball he mm. bowled particularly in that last spell of his we took um, something like uh, five for nine I think it was from yeah. a little, little bit over f- five overs so that's 30 odd deliveries and uh, people just didn't know how to handle it they were you know balls were spitting and spinning and those then there's the one that goes straight on so they were not just facing Ashwin himself but the surface he was bowling on it was all a bit uh, uh, predictable by the end um, pretty difficult batting conditions and some of those guys uh, knowing that they had to try and get runs before they got out so they were playing shots that mm. maybe they wouldn't they certainly wouldn't have played in the first innings when they were um, stuck to their task and just trying to hang in there and accumulate runs as they could. This was uh, a case of we need to try and get these. And Peter Hanscom looked pretty good um, while he was out there using his feet, but it was just one of those pitches that sooner or later you're going to get one that did something that you weren't expecting and uh, that was going to be your number. And his dismissal showed that. He just tried to hoik Ashwin out of the ground and his head went up and it went straight up and the keeper took two steps backwards and, and claimed the catch. I guess he's just, I mean, Ashwin just passed the record. He's the fastest to 25 fifers in Test Match Cricket, Rambo. Not sure your research team would have got that one. but uh, I'll uh, call them and ask them. He's got 15 wickets in the series now. Moving forward, we all knew it was going to be a bit of a threat, but with the series level, momentum with the Indians, is it going to be a, a tough task for Australia to claw back and get back in this series? Um, depends, I guess, a lot on the sort of surface they find in Ranchi, and Ranchi hasn't hosted a test match before, so there is no... Debut. My research team have found that out, um, so... Th- there is no volumes of statistical data. They might need to go back to the first-class records, which were clearly a bit of a, an indicator for this test on the revamped Bengaluru surface. It's almost mm-hmm. like every test match in this series is playing on a surface that hasn't been seen before in test cricket. So that might be one for the statisticians. Um, but, yeah, Ashwin um, is clearly India's trump card. I mean, they seem to do a pretty good job. Jadeja does, did a very good job in the first innings and had the remarkable figures in the second innings of... One for three off eight overs, if I read correctly. Um, fairly. You haven't got your glasses on, so I haven't got my glasses on, so that could be completely wrong. If I need to, my research team have taken my glasses. Um, so yeah, he's. Uh, I, regardless of what the conditions are like in Ranchi and then Durham Shalaf for the last test, he's going to be a pivotal influence. Okay, for the Australians, what's going to happen there? Now they've got five or so days off between now and they hit the training paddock again here in Bangalore before heading to Ranchi. What do you expect? Is it going to be solely dependent on the surface if there's going to be a team change? Mitchell Marsh didn't bowl a lot of overs in the second test. Uh, his spot, and didn't score many runs, to be fair, unfortunately for Mitch. Uh, his spot will no doubt come under scrutiny. Bowlers probably did their bit. Batters, not so much. So can we potentially see a, a change for that third test or is it all going to be reliant on the surface? It could be reliant. What's always reliant on the surface is what they keep telling us. And I can't imagine it's going to be the sort of surface where they play three seamers no. um, and an all-rounder. So you'd have to think that um, the bowlers as they stand, the specialist bowlers as they stand, have all done their job at this mm-hmm. stage in, when they've been asked to. Certainly the spinners have done more than was probably expected when they got here. Josh Hazelwood, as you say, six wickets. Mitchell Stark, a couple of very important spells, not to mention his batting. Yep. Um, the batting itself, there's not really anyone. Maybe David Warner would be the one who's probably not fired as he would have liked. Um, but you know, he's clearly, not, his position isn't under any threat. So 
the only spot they might look at is um, the Mitch Marsh all-rounder spot, whether they just think, as India did in this test, play an extra batter, just rely on your four bowlers to get the job done. Given that uh, he's only bowled five overs for the series, that might be something they think. Whether Usman Khawaja, who's the spare batsman, comes in somewhere in that middle order and uh, they change it, whether they think that a Glenn Maxwell maybe might be a better Ooh. option who can bowl a few overs of spin if needed. He's got the X Factor, doesn't he? Is that what it is? X, you were talking about the other night, X Factor? Or is it the Y Factor or he's got something no, like that? No, I think we went beyond the X Factor to the Why Not. That's right. Well, why not? Maxi could be the guy. Um, yeah, but that's probably the one thing that would occupy their minds between now and, and then. And certainly, uh, you know, tiredness and workloads and things isn't going to be an issue because they've got a fairly extended break between now and the start of the third test. And just looking at the series a bit more broadly, we've had two really fascinating test matches. This one in particular was riveting. Remember how we're seeing this series? I mean, I've heard a few mentions on social media that this is getting up there with the 2001 series in India and the 2005 Ashes. Are we seeing like that? There's certainly a lot of talking points. There's a lot of great performances on the field. Are we sort of heading in that territory? Uh, well, it seems to be there. Uh, each day seems to offer something compelling, which is the kind of standout feature of those series uh mm. they were what days you remember that think that this can't be beaten until the next one comes along and it's even better um the fact that uh australia won the first test seems to have fired india into a bit of action there's now the uh the war of words that's broken out that'll add a bit more spice to it you'd have to think that uh that some of the aggression and uh argy-bargy we saw on the field here would have to be replicated in the certainly the next test, if not the next two. Mm. Um, and the games move at such speed too. Like the, you know, the fact that this test, which was looked like it was heading into the fifth day, which I think someone predicted, um, didn't even make it to the last hour of the fourth day. Such was the speed. of those 16 wickets, I think, fell yep. today. Um, the one thing it hasn't had is big scores. Uh, we've still only got the one century, I think. Uh, and one century far. partnership. And one century partnership, if Virat's to be believed. So... Um, you have to think that at some stage one of the batters is going to fire. There might be a big total posted, you know, a 600, 550 total or something. That seems to be the component that's missing so far. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those uh, series that you just feel like you can't turn away from. Every time you get up and get yourself a cup of chai, something happens. That's right. Now we have to address those bold predictions. Remember, we made two before this test match started. You mentioned yours before. I was going to go on the fifth day. I said that Peter Hanscom would score 100. They were both wrong. So we have to eat our words a little bit, don't we? We do. We have to admit that we don't know everything, um, which in my case is not a huge revelation. <laughs> it would be boring, though, if we predicted all this stuff, wouldn't it? There'd be nobody watching the games if we got all these things right. No, that's right. We could just sit and listen to this, and we can actually do the third test one now and have a couple of days off ourselves. All right. Talking a couple of days off, Remember, what are you going to do in your time off? I'll be doing some net sessions. Um, I'm getting my research team back together. Um, putting them through their paces, teaching them how to use the internet, sharpening their pencils. Uh, so that'll be my focus. All right, Brian, Sam, what are you up to? Nothing. I'm going to go here and do all the work you're supposed to be doing while you're doing that. So uh, I'll be tapping away here, writing uh, as much as I can for cricket.com.au, which is where you can go for all your new scores and video on Australia's Qantas Tour of India. We'll be back before the third test to preview all that action. Rambo, you'll be here, won't you? I'll be here uh, and I'll be in Ranchi, which I hear great things about. Wonderful. Catch you again real soon.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.